Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Thrilled that you guys are here with us today worshiping. I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to jump straight in today. So if you are ready, if you're in person, say it out loud. If you're online, let me know. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I am ready. I am ready to get into it. So um, we have been in this series, This Is How We Change the World. And what we've been doing throughout this entire time is looking at the core values that make Cornerstone Church, Cornerstone Church, right? These are the things that differentiate us. There's, there's tons of amazing churches all in the Akron area, all over uh, the world doing amazing things, amazing works for the kingdom of God. Um, these are just the things that make Cornerstone, Cornerstone. These are what differentiate us and make us uh, uh, who we are. Uh, and so what we've been doing, we've just been studying these one by one, week by week, um, because whenever we have our core values identified, whenever we know who we are, what it does is it makes it easy for us to make decisions because we know who we are. In fact, I would tell you, this is something you should do in your personal life is write out your own values, your own mission statement as a person. Like, this is who I am. This is the stuff that I value because it makes your decision-making easier. It makes knowing who you are easier. It gives purpose and clarity to who you are. And so that's what we're doing, looking at our core values as a church. And uh, I just wanna say, can we give it up for Pastor Brenda and for Pastor Donnie? They have uh, spoke, both of them during this series too. Um, and they have done a fantastic job leading us as well. Great, great stuff from them. So if you have missed so far, don't worry. We're doing a real quick Cliff Notes recap of where we've been, okay? This is, this is where we've been these first couple weeks of this series. So our first core value, long live the king. This idea that we are not here for us, we are here for Jesus. That's why we're doing this thing. We're not, it's not that we don't have anything better to do on Sunday mornings. <laughs> it's not that we just are killing time. No, we are here for Jesus. We are here for him and make him famous. So long live the king was our first core value. Core value number two was unity is our calling card. That so many churches, it's easy to fall into this tendency to be known for what you're against, to just be anti this and anti that. And oh, welcome to church. Here's our list of things we don't do. <laughs> like that's, that's a very easy thing for churches to fall into. We don't want that to be us. We want to be a church that's known for unity, that you know what, we're going to we're just gonna get behind the cause of Christ. We will find all of the things that make us in common with each other rather than just looking for every difference we can find, right? We're gonna have unity. It's gonna be our calling card. Then we talked about second mile generosity, that we serve a God who went to the cross for us. So who in the world are we to say he is our king if we're not generous people? So we need to be generous. We need to be generous with the resources that God has given us and we need to be cheerful about it. Not giving out of compulsion or because someone has our thumb in our back, but we give because our king gave. And so we follow his example. And then workers, not watchers. We talked about workers, not watchers and this idea that whenever we are following Jesus, whenever we're part of a church body, we are not here as a spectator sport. Like this isn't just something that we come, at, like you guys, in here, everyone watching online, you're not sitting through this sermon. You're not sitting through this worship experience just so you can have something to do on a Sunday morning. You're here learning more about Jesus, learning about what it looks like to follow him and to advance the kingdom of God 
so you can go do it, right? <laughs> right? That, that's the whole point. That's why we do this thing, because we are workers, not watchers. We are contributors, not consumers. And that is what sets us apart in many ways here at Cornerstone Church. And then last week, we, we looked at uh, pearls, sheep, and coins. Pastor Donnie talked about pearls, sheep, and coins, and this idea that uh, Jesus left behind his privilege he left behind his preference. He left behind all of these things in an effort to come save us. And so we as a church are going to do the exact same thing for people who are far from God. We are gonna sacrifice the things that we would want. We're gonna sacrifice our privileges, our preferences to pursue people who are far from God. And so that brings us to where we are today. And I want us to introduce today's core value with some scripture, which by the way, if you wanna look into this, all of these core values are on our website. You can find them on there and you'll see that all of these are rooted in scripture. Uh, we have these all listed on there with scriptures that go with them. And so I want us to open up today's core value by looking at some scripture that goes with it. This is from the book of Romans. This is a letter that one of Jesus's earliest followers, the apostle Paul, this is a letter that he wrote to the church in the city of Rome. And this is what he says in verse uh, 31 of chapter eight. Paul says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who in the world can be against us if God himself is for us? You know, whenever I read this scripture, um, not only does our core value for today come to my mind, but also what comes to my mind is a, a, a spike. Spike. This is Spike. <laughs> this, this was uh, our family, one of our family dogs while I was growing up. Uh, he's a Shiba Inu, Spike. Uh, he, he's passed away now. Um, but Spike, awesome dog, awesome dog. We got this dog. Uh, and it's so funny, we actually had him at the exact same time we had another Shiba Inu dog uh, named Senna. She's a female, Spike's a male. Uh, so we had these two dogs and Spike he, he was a little, like this picture can't show it too well uh, in comparison. He was a scrawny little guy. Like, I mean, he just a little tiny scrawny dog. Like he just, he, he's not very big, right? Didn't have a lot of meat on his bones. Um, but the funny thing about Spike was that even though he was so little, even though he was so tiny, he had an attitude. <laughs> he had an attitude. But here's the thing. He only had an attitude when I was around. He only had an attitude whenever he knew I was backing him up. And this is what I mean. Cinna would boss him around. Cinna, on the other hand, she did have meat on her bones. Cinna actually could throw her weight around with Spike. But whenever I was around, Spike suddenly went from being this like little cowardly, kind of runs around and he, he eats last, Cinna eats first. Cinna gets the choice of the best toys. Cinna gets petted first and then Spike comes in afterwards. When I was around, especially the funny thing, my, da my dad loved this, whenever I would pick Spike up, if Cinna was anywhere around, as soon as I would pick Spike up, he'd start to kind of snarl, just, just kind of showing his teeth. He never, and let me repeat this, never did that when he was on the ground, ever. Whenever he was on the ground near Cinna, he wouldn't snarl, he was polite. He was, well, hello, Cinna, how are you today, right? Like he's totally polite. But the second I was around, the second he was in my arms, suddenly he got about 10 feet taller. Suddenly he got some confidence about him, right? 
And so whenever I read Romans 8 and I think about this idea that, you know, whenever God's for us, who can be against us? And this confidence that that should inspire, I think of Spike. (laughs) I think of, man, that's how I want to be going about life. I want to have that kind of confidence when I face adversity, whenever I face situations, knowing I'm being held, knowing I'm not on my own, knowing someone greater has got my back. Because when I know that, when I know that someone has got me, it gives me our, la- our core value we're focusing on today, it gives me empty tomb confidence. When I know someone is with me, it gives me empty tomb confidence. We believe that every obstacle is an opportunity for God to show off. In faith, we are confident no matter the circumstances because we know someone's got our back. Because we know we're not facing things alone. We know someone is with us. And let me tell you, if you've been at Cornerstone for any period of time, if you're someone watching online, you've been with us any period of time, you know that this right here, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. This is who we are. (laughs) This is who we are. Just look at our, our history and you will see time after time after time, we have had to have empty tomb confidence that God was going to see us through, that he was going to deliver us, that we weren't facing things alone, that someone greater was actually with us. When this church body, when Cornerstone decided to move off of that that small little church on Belle Isle Drive uh, in Coventry and to build a brand new building at the 578 Killian Road location, to do that, that took empty tomb confidence. We're building a building that's way too big for the congregation we have now, but we're believing, we're believing that one day God is gonna fill this place, that he's gonna do something amazing here. Whenever Cornerstone decided, whenever Pastor Charlie decided to, uh, to step down from leadership and Pastor Brenda took over, a woman, <laughs> right? That took some empty tomb confidence that we aren't gonna lose the entire church because a woman stepping up to preach, because a woman is taking leadership, but because of empty tomb confidence, believing everything is an opportunity for God to show off, we as a church stepped into that and we grew and we exploded and we, we ministered to people all over, not just Coventry, not just Akron, but all over the world through her leadership. When we decided to leave our denomination, It was because of empty tomb confidence, trusting that God would see us through. Whenever we decided that we would willingly relinquish that building, that cornerstone built with our own hands, our own people, when we decided, you know what, we'll we'll step away from that. We're not gonna fight, not gonna fight for this thing in court. We're not gonna do any of that. That's empty tomb confidence. That's empty tomb confidence. That's believing. Whenever we decided that we're gonna meet at an elementary school for years, setting up and tearing down every single Weak. <laughs> That's empty tomb confidence. That's believing God's going to see us through. Whenever we decided that we would allow our, our Mogador campus to become their own church, that's empty tomb confidence. Saying goodbye to hundreds of people, that, that's confidence that God is still going to see us through. When you all decided to trust me at the time, a 32-year-old guy with the leadership of the church, you all had some empty tomb confidence. <laughs> you, you all were like, okay, we're, God, we're trusting you. We're trusting you with this guy, right? So this is, this is nothing new. Say it out loud, put it in the chat. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. This is who we are. This is who Cornerstone is. Our confidence muscle that we have built up. If you were with us early in the series, you know we talked about the difference between an actual value and an aspirational value. 
How like the company Enron that was known for (laughs) scumbags and embezzling people and hiding their finances, one of their core values was integrity, (laughs) respect, and how that was an aspirational value. It's something they aspired to, but they didn't actually do. But how there's actual values, this is an actual value of Cornerstone. This is something that we do. This is something that we get, empty tomb confidence. And it's good that we got it because let me tell you, Not only have we needed this in the past, we are going to need this in the future. We're gonna need this going forward, this empty tomb confidence, this belief that every obstacle is an opportunity for God to show off, for God to come through. And I'm not talking about just church-wide. Obviously, we as a church, as a church body, with what we wanna do in the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years, it's gonna require a lot of that. But us as individual church members, in your individual lives, you need this. You need this. As you face this, this, this new world that we're coming out of the coronavirus pandemic into, you're going to need this. As you forge relationships and as you try to build them and as you try to repair maybe some relationships, as you try to figure out things with work, as you try to figure out your own finances, as you try to see what your future is going to look like, let me tell you, you're gonna need some empty tomb confidence because obstacles will come and you're gonna need to be able to look at those and go, you know what? This is not an obstacle. This is an opportunity for God to show off. Am I gonna trust him in it? Am I gonna believe him in it? Am I going to lean into who he is and what he's done in the past and believe that he will do it again in the future or not? We're gonna have to do exactly what we just sang. Take courage. (laughs) Take courage and believe that God can do it, that he can see us through. And so what we're gonna be doing today kind of as an example of what this looks like, of what empty tomb confidence looks like in practice, we're gonna be looking at an account from the life of a man named Abraham. So we're gonna be in Genesis chapter 22. If you have a physical Bible and you wanna turn there, you can do it now. If not, don't worry, we're gonna have the verses up here on the screen. But uh, we're gonna be looking at Abraham. His life is a textbook definition of what empty tomb confidence looks like, especially this one account that we're really going to be focusing on from chapter 22. Man, I got to say, I'm, I'm thankful for the Old Testament in Scripture. I'm thankful for it because we see so many examples of these people who were people. Like notice that whenever I said we're talking about Abraham, I said we're talking about an account. I don't like calling them stories because that gives off the vibe that this is a storybook and we're reading stories, like we're reading Aesop's fables. No, these are historical accounts that we're reading. And so we're, re- we're gonna be reading a historical account of something that actually happened to a real person who faced obstacles, who faced difficulties, and who needed real empty tomb confidence. He, he didn't know how the story was gonna end. He didn't know he was gonna be part of a collection of books called the Bible and still he had this amazing, amazing confidence in who God was. And so just a little quick background if you're unfamiliar with scripture, Abraham, he is actually the founder, the, the father of three different faiths. Three different faiths, the, the large, some of the largest faiths in the world see him as like one of their spiritual fathers. Uh, uh, the uh, Islam Christianity and Judaism all see Abraham. That's why they're called the Abrahamic uh, religions. They see him as like the the founder in some ways uh, of what they believe. And so Abraham is just this amazing larger than life man. He, He was kind of a nobody just living in this land called Ur 
quite the name for a city, right? Just Ur. <laughs> uh, but he's living in this place called Ur. He feels God call him out of this land. He feels God placing this calling on his heart saying, hey, I'm going to lead you out of this land. I'm going to make a great nation of people out of you. Your offspring is going to become this amazing nation of people. And through your offspring, through this nation I will create out of you, the entire world is going to be blessed. So Abraham, he, he, he believes God, he, he leaves this land, he leaves Ur, he follows God to where he's leading him, and, and he has a lot of uh, crazy things that happen in his life. He has moments where he's really faithful to God, and moments where he's not so faithful, and moments where he trusts God, and moments where he doesn't trust God. Kind of sounds like me and you, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like us, because he's, again, a real person. <laughs> but he sees God as faithful, he sees God come through for him time and time again. And one of the biggest ways that God comes through for him is I, uh, Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. She had had no children, seemed to be completely unable to have children. But when Abraham turned, I believe it was 75, uh, uh, God made this promise to him saying like, no, you, you will have children. You will have children. And sure enough, 25 years later, this promise is fulfilled. Abraham and Sarah have this son named Isaac, um, literally named him, this is the son I love. Like that's what his name means, this is the son I love. And so Abraham and Sarah have Isaac, have this child. And you think that's kind of the end of Abraham's story. Like, okay, Abraham's had this amazing life. He's done all these crazy things. He got his kid. Now he's just kind of kind of right off into the sunset and that will be it. But that takes us, to Genesis chapter 22. Just whenever you think everything's gonna be good and kind of just ease on out, this is what happens. Abraham, uh, uh, this is his account starting in verse one. It says this, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. The first thing, there's two things in this, this first set of verses I want us to kind of stop and look at. The first thing is how the, the set of verses opens with sometime later, God tested Abraham. That phrase, it, it actually literally means after all this, God tested Abraham. After all of this, God tested Abraham. And I think about how uh, it can seem like we can reach like a final point. Like, okay, I made it through. Like the pandemic, right? We're all like, when will we get through this and get back to how things were? And, and it just feels like there is no end to it. That's what I want to tell you about in life. There's really no like just end point. There is, there is no just, all right, I'm done. I've done everything I need to do. I'm complete as a person. I am perfect. My situation is perfect and I'm done. That time never comes. So for Abraham, I'm sure it probably felt like, you know what, this is it. I finally arrived. I, I left the land that God called me out of. I've, I've done what I was supposed to do. I've been faithful in so many ways. God delivered me the son that I wanted. All of these things have happened. I'm done. There we go. That's it. Now I can just ride off into the sunset, but that is not how it works. Because after all these things came another obstacle. After all these things came something else in his way, and he was going to need to trust God. He was going to need that empty tomb confidence. My mom has faced this. My mom, she, she in many ways thought she was getting to a point where it was like, you know what? I'm getting ready to step down from lead pastoral ministry, and I'm going to be able to just kind of 
you know, right off into the sunset. I'm going to be able to do ministry on my own terms and write and spend time with Charlie and do all these things. And then my dad suddenly dies. After all these things, thinking the future was going to look a certain way and suddenly it didn't anymore. And let me tell you, in the midst of that, she needed empty tomb confidence. She still needs it every single day. And Abraham was about to find out just how much he was going to need it too, this empty tomb confidence, this trusting in God. So the other thing that really stuck out to me in these first set of verses is how God at the end of chat, uh, uh, verse 2 says, uh, uh, go to this mountain that I will show you. I will show you. Now, the reason this stands out to me is because, again, look, we're in Genesis chapter 22, and God says, go to this mountain, I will show you. Ten chapters earlier, ten chapters earlier, in Genesis chapter 12, God is making his promise to Abraham, saying, Abraham, hey, come out of this land that you're currently living in, trust me, trust me, leave and go to a land, I will show you. Go to a land, I will show you. Do you see the correlation there? There's a correlation between these two verses, between chapter 12 and chapter 22. In both of these situations, God is telling Abraham to go to a place I will show you. Now in one place, in chapter 12, God is talking about the, the greatest blessing Abraham will ever see. That God is making this promise to him that, hey, if you go to this place I will show you, I will make a great nation out of your offspring. Ten chapters later, God is saying, hey, I'm about to usher you into the place of your greatest testing in a place I will show you. You see, empty tomb confidence, we need it in the time of our greatest blessing and our greatest testing. We need empty tomb confidence in every single situation under the sun. Both require it. He needed empty tomb confidence to take that step into a land God would show him. It was going to be this great blessing, but he didn't know it at the time. It was going to take confidence in who God was and trust and confidence in who, who God said he was to take that step into the blessing. And it was going to take that same kind of confidence to trust God in this testing he was about to endure. He needed empty tomb confidence 24-7, and the same is true with us. Luckily... Abraham had had decades of building up this habit of empty tomb confidence. He had had years of trusting God to come through for him, to, to, for God to take this obstacle and turn it into an opportunity. He had been having faith in God for years, building up this habit. And so this is what happens. God tells him to do this, says, hey, go to this region of Mount Moriah, sacrifice your son there. And this is what Abraham does. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Verse four, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Do you see the statement of confidence? You see how he's already believing God to come through. Because what did God tell him to do? Go to the region of Mount Moriah and sacrifice your son there. Kill him. <laughs> but what does Abraham tell the servants? You guys just wait here. Me and my son are going to go worship and me and my son will come back to you. He was already believing that God was going to come through. 
he had been building up this habit of just believing God for the best, of trusting God for the best, even when it didn't look like it. And so in this moment, he knew, you know what? God has not failed me before. He won't start now. He's not all of a sudden going to start failing me and letting me down. He's going to come through. He had empty tomb confidence in God. That doesn't develop overnight. I want to tell you, you want to start trusting God for bigger things, you need to start now. Because you don't get here by accident. You get here by time and time again trusting God. By trusting God in every area. Trusting him with your kids. Trusting him with your relationships. Trusting him with your boyfriend. Trusting him with your job. Trusting him with your finances. That's how you get to this place where you have that kind of confidence that God will just show up. I don't know where the money's going to come from, but God's going to show up. I don't know how this relationship's going to get fixed, but I'm going to keep doing my best, and I believe that God is going to show up. That's how you get there, through practice, through time and time again of trusting. It's funny, my little boy, Griffin, he, he's a little guy. He's uh, about 18 months, um, and it's funny, whenever I first started, like, wrestling with him, I wrestle with my girls. I've got two older girls, uh, Eden and Evelyn, and, I mean, it's like WWF in our house whenever we wrestle. Like, I'm, I'm doing the suplex, right, and I'm powerbombing them, and it's crazy. It's awesome. It's so, so much fun. Um, Griffin, at first, whenever he was watching us do it, he was a little bit, like, Eh, I'm not sure about this. Like my little boy, he's like just kind of watching us, right? So I, I started easing him in, easing him in. And he, he was trusting me with just the little kind of throw on the couch. And oh, here you go. Now, after him just trusting me over and over, man, I'm, I mean, we're like pole vaulting, like tossing him across the room and he's loving it. And, you know, the neighbors call CPS, but it's okay. It's all right because everyone's okay, right? <laughs> But it's crazy. He's developed this confidence in me because of little bit by little bit trusting me over time, knowing that dad's not going to hurt him. He knows I'm not going to hurt him. He knows I'm not going to put him in a situation where he could really get hurt, right? He trusts me. And it didn't happen overnight. It is developed. And I'm telling you, you want to have confidence in your father. It doesn't happen overnight. You've got to start trusting him. You've got to start taking those steps where you can't come through, where you can't make the situation work on your own, you have to trust in God. You start doing that, you'll be like Abraham. You'll develop empty tomb confidence. You need to step into that confidence. You need to step into it. Let's continue, verse six. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God will provide. Abraham believed that. He believed that to be true, but man, there's something very important about what Abraham did right here. And the two of them went on together. They continued. They kept moving. How many of us are believing God to come through for us, hoping he does something in a situation for us, but we stop? We just stop. No, God will provide. We're good here. I'm going to wait till he provides. I'm going to wait. Once, once the lamb comes, then we'll continue. But until then, nope, we're just going to wait, 
right here. No, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of I have no idea how this is going to work out, in the midst of that, the two of them went on together. In the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of not knowing how this was going to pan out, they continued on. They moved. He believed God would come through. So he just kept going. He just kept going. He said, you know what? I don't understand how God's deliverance is going to work, but I do know how my obedience is going to work. I'm going to obey every letter of the law. I'm going to obey him and trust him. And the whole deliverance part, I'll leave that to him. The obedience thing, I'm going to handle that. I'm going to handle that. I'm going to keep stepping into what I know he asked me to do. Guys, whenever God tells us to do something, whenever we know what our next steps are, we got to move. We got to move. Rachel had just mentioned this earlier whenever the worship team was singing Take Courage about the, the moment in Exodus where they're getting ready to, to cross the Red Sea, right? And, and, and it's this big, crazy moment. And the Israelites didn't know what they were doing, right? They didn't know what they were doing. They were just following God, just following his will out into the desert. But God told them what to do through Moses. God told them what to do. So there's a period of time where they're uncertain, but then they're told what they need to do and this is so important in Exodus chapter 14, as they get up to, to the sea, they've just been told what they need to do. Moses tells the Israelites, hey, don't panic. The Israelites you see, or the, the, the Egyptians you see before you, you'll never see them again. God's gonna fight on your behalf. Just stand still. You guys wanna know what verse 15 says, the literal next verse? You wanna know what God says? Why are you crying out to me? It's not what you expected, is it? Yeah, see, they knew what to do. They knew what to do at this point. Moses tells them to just be still, and God's response is, why are you telling them to be still? Tell the Israelites to move on. Tell the Israelites to go, to move, to do what you know you're supposed to do. I just told you. Church, we are going to need to move. We're gonna need to move. Yes, we need to pray. Yes, we need to fast. We, we just did it at the beginning of this year. We just did it to start this year. That's something we need to do. We need to sit and wait. But once God has given us clarity on what we need to do, anything other than immediate obedience is sin. We got to move. Like we've got to move. And I want to tell you, there's some exciting stuff getting ready to happen here at Cornerstone. And it's going to require us to move. It's not going to require us to just sit around and wait because God's telling us what to do. We know our calling as a church. We, we know who we are. That's what we're talking about in this series, who we are. We know who we are. And so in light of that, we are going to have to move. Keep pressing forward, even though we don't know what the future looks like, even though we don't know exactly how things are gonna turn out. It's not our job to know how the deliverance works. It's our job to know how the obedience works. We just need to obey following the example of Abraham, who in the middle of not knowing how God was gonna provide, believed he would, and so he kept moving forward. We don't wait, we work, and we believe that God will deliver. That is empty tomb confidence. And he, here's the thing when, when it comes to God delivering too, a lot of times it's not gonna look like what you expected. Isn't that true? How many people, yeah, why don't you say amen in the chat if you can relate with that. How many people can relate that when God does deliver, it's oftentimes not what you thought it was going to be. 
a, a lot of times it's not like, yep, this is exactly what I prayed for, God. I knew it would look just like this. Like, it's not how it works, <laughs> right? It's not how it works. God, a lot of times, delivers us in ways that are completely and utterly unexpected. We have no idea that it's going to look like what it does. Maybe we don't even want what it looks like. <laughs> but God comes through. He gives us what we need. He gives us what we need. This is what it says, continuing in verse 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and he laid them on the altar on top of the wood. Verse 10, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But an angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me from your son, your only son. Which real quick, a, a sidebar right here for anyone feeling like, man, why would God test someone like this? The, the exact word, whenever we look at the, the, the Hebrew word that is used for testing, when God is testing Abraham, it doesn't mean putting him in an unfair situation to test. This word, whenever you look at it, it literally means um, like whenever you're cooking and you smell something, you're, you're testing it, you're, you're testing the taste of it and the smell. That's what God's doing. He's just seeing what's already there. He's just seeing what's already there. If, if Abraham really does have this empty tomb confidence and we see from this verse that he does, he does have it because he knows that he fears God. You've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by the horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. A lot of times, God's deliverance doesn't look like what you expect, but it's what you need. Wow. It doesn't look like what you expect, but it's what you need. Right. Put it in the chat, say, I didn't expect it, but I needed it. <laughs> I didn't expect it, but I needed it. Do you notice what Abraham sacrificed? A ram. What did he say would be sacrificed earlier? Do you, do you remember that? The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. It wasn't a lamb. <laughs> it was a ram. It wasn't what he expected, but it was what he needed. You want to know why he needed it? Now, Scripture doesn't tell us. This is the Pastor Jacob translation, all right? <laughs> But I think the reason there's a difference here is because the difference between a ram and a lamb is a ram has horns. A lamb doesn't. This ram, the whole reason it was even available for Abraham was because it was caught in the thicket by its horns. You following me? It needed to be a ram. That's what he needed. For this offering to be there, for it to be caught, for it to be trapped in the thicket of, of, of this bush, it needed horns to get caught. <laughs> so he was expecting a lamb. A lamb wouldn't have got caught there. It would have been able to just go through there totally fine. But a ram with the horns, no, nah, it's going to get stuck. See, he expected a lamb, but he needed a ram. And so what did God provide? A ram. 
because it's not always what we expect what we get. (laughs) But when God delivers, it may not be what you expect, but it will be what you need. It will be what you need. I want to tell you, there are some people who have seen deliverance happen through this pandemic. Through this pandemic. Think about that. There are lives that were headed to an eternity away from God, lives that didn't care about Jesus at all. But suddenly, whenever church becomes very available and everybody and their brother is broadcasting online, and so it doesn't take the the weird awkwardness of going into a new church for the first time, but I can just sign online and watch a pastor preach. People have come to Jesus because of that. People have come to Jesus. There are marriages that have been saved because of the pandemic. People who felt like they didn't know each other anymore, who suddenly are forced to be together all the time, and it's like they rediscovered each other. It's not what they expected, but it's what they needed. That's how God comes through. Are we going to trust him, though? (laughs) Are we going to trust him whenever it doesn't look like what we expected? Whenever things don't pan out the way we hoped they would, are we still going to have that empty tomb confidence that says, no, 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 this obstacle is an opportunity for God to show off? I don't need to know what the deliverance looks like. I just need to know what my obedience looks like. We do that. We will see God come through. It may not be what you expect, but it will be what you need. Jesus' death was not what anyone expected. His disciples didn't expect it. They had an idea of what God's deliverance looked like. And it looked like Jesus coming in, overthrowing the Roman Empire, setting up a kingdom, and then becoming uh, his right hand and left hand man sitting beside him on an earthly throne. That's what they expected. But that's not what they needed. That's not what we needed. We needed Jesus to come through exactly how he did to live this perfect life, to to die the sacrificial death, to come back in power again, to set up a a, a kingdom of God, a kingdom that's completely different than anything that the world offers. That's not what we expected. That's not what we wanted, but it's what we needed. It's what we needed. God comes through with what we need. Lastly, as we get ready to close here in a little bit, I I just wanna say the most incredible aspect to me of, of empty tomb confidence, of believing that God can, you know, take any obstacle and turn it into an opportunity. The most amazing thing about it is trusting God, not with what he provides out here, but what he produces in here. Wow. Yeah. We've read about how God came through for Abraham out there. But the real amazing thing is that how Abraham trusted God, put his confidence in God, and how the inside, Abraham's nature, his, 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 his way of relating to people, how that changed. And that's the same for you and me. That the most amazing thing about God, whenever we have empty tomb confidence in him, isn't how our circumstances start to change, but how we start to change. How we become different people. How we become kinder. How we become more loving. How we become more forgiving. That happens as you begin to trust God and put your confidence and your faith in him. He changes you on the inside. I've experienced it. I'm sure we could go all morning between people in here and people online of how God has come through for you and how he has changed you, how the most amazing empty tomb kind of thing that he's done has not been what he's done in your life, but what he's done to your life, what he's done to you, the different person that you have become because you believed in him and because you trusted him with your life and with with your actions and with your words, and he's changed you. You're a different person. That's the biggest miracle you know of. (laughs) 
you can trust him. He's worthy of your empty tomb confidence. This confidence that says, I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care what my past has looked like. I don't care about any of that because I know that my God is greater and he will deliver me. He will deliver me. Which brings me back to what we started off this sermon with from Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say in response to all of these things? What then can we say in response to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If God is for us, man, who can be against us? There is no situation, there is no devil or demon, there is no thing going on in your life. There's no dysfunction or habit, there's no past, there's nothing that's happened to you that is too great that he can't handle. You can have empty tomb confidence in him that any obstacle in your life, he will overcome it. He will overcome it. And that includes your heart. (laughs) That includes the sin in your life. That includes the areas where you come up short. God can take that and he can deliver you. He can resurrect you. He can change you from the inside out. And that is the greatest miracle you will ever experience in your life. Cornerstone, we are a church of resurrection. We see it happen all the time. We see it happen all the time. We experience it all the time. I told you uh, guys a while back in a sermon uh, talking about churches. You know the average lifespan of churches in the United States? 40 years. And guess what we're celebrating this year? Our 40th anniversary. I guess we should close up shop, right? (laughs) According to the statistics, we should close up shop, but our God is a resurrecting God. He's a God of renewal and a God of revival. And so where a lot of churches may be getting ready to close down at 40, we believe our best years are ahead of us. And that's because of who God is, that he is a resurrecting God who breathes life. It's what he does. It's who he is and he can do it for you and he can do it in your situation. Today, we're gonna be celebrating what God does through the act of communion. We're gonna be celebrating this resurrecting God who made the ultimate sacrifice for us. And this is so cool. I wanna let you guys know this. As you prepare for communion, if you have the elements in here, if you're at home and you have your own elements, as we do this, here's what's so amazing. We are joining in with Christians over thousands of years. This is something the church has done for thousands of years as we remember Jesus, as we remember the sacrifice that he made, his his body that was broken for us, his blood that was spilled for us. We remember it as we take communion together, as we remember his sacrifice, and as we look forward to that empty tomb that shows that we can have new life too. That just as Jesus was resurrected, we too can be resurrected. We can have faith and we can have confidence knowing that nothing we have done in the past, uh, no sin we've committed, no act that we've done, no word that we've said is ever too great to separate us from the love of God. That is confidence. That is confidence, knowing there is nothing that can stand between me and a right relationship with my creator. Now, the only thing that we ask today as you get ready to take communion, you don't have to be a, a steward here at Cornerstone. The only thing is that you are in a relationship with Jesus or you're making that commitment today. That's the only requirement to be able to take communion here at our church. So if you have not taken that step, I'm praying that you do 
today. The worship team is gonna lead us here in a moment. I wanna encourage you to take this sacrament to your comfort. And after you're done, I encourage you, even if you're watching online at home, to stand wherever you're at and join us together as we worship this resurrecting God who inspires empty tomb confidence in everyone who follows him. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.